0: And now, Chapter 15 of King Solomon's Mines, by H. Ryder Haggard, Good Falls Sick. After the fight was ended, Sir Henry and Good were carried into Twala's hut, where I joined them. They were both utterly exhausted by exertion and loss of blood, and indeed, my own condition was little better. I am very wiry, and can stand more fatigue than most men, probably on account of my light weight and long training. But that night, I was barely done up, and, as is always the case with me when exhausted, that old wound the lion gave me began to pain me. Also, my head was aching violently from the blow I had received in the morning, when I was knocked senseless. Altogether, a more miserable trio than we were that evening, it would have been difficult to discover, and our only comfort lay in the reflection that we were exceedingly fortunate to be there, to feel miserable." instead of being stretched dead upon the plain, as so many thousands of brave men were that night, who had risen well and strong in the morning. Somehow, with the assistance of the beautiful Fulata, who, since we had been the means of saving her life, had constituted herself our handmaiden, and especially goods, we managed to get off the chain shirts, which had certainly saved the lives of two of us that day, when we found that the flesh underneath was terribly bruised. FOR THOUGH THE STEEL LINKS HAD PREVENTED THE WEAPONS FROM ENTERING, THEY HAD NOT PREVENTED THEM FROM BRUISING. BOTH SIR HENRY AND GOOD WERE MASSIVE BRUISES, AND I WAS BY NO MEANS FREE OF THEM. AS A REMEDY, Fulata BROUGHT US SOME POUNDED GREEN LEAVES WITH AN AROMATIC ODOR, WHICH, WHEN APPLIED AS A PLASTER, GAVE US CONSIDERABLE RELIEF. BUT THOUGH THE BRUISES WERE PAINFUL, AS SIR HENRY'S AND GOOD'S WOUNDS, GOOD HAD A HOLE RIGHT THROUGH THE FLESHY PART OF HIS BEAUTIFUL WHITE LEG, "'from which he had lost a great deal of blood, "'and Sir Henry had a deep cut over the jaw, "'inflicted by Twala's battle-axe. "'Luckily, Good was a very decent surgeon, "'and as soon as his small box of medicines was forthcoming, "'he, having thoroughly cleansed the wounds, "'managed to stitch up first Sir Henry's, "'and then his own pretty satisfactorily, "'considering the imperfect light "'given by the primitive Kukawana lamp in the hut. "'Afterwards, He plentifully smeared the wounds with some antiseptic ointment, of which there was a pot in the little box, and we covered them with the remains of the pocket-handkerchief which we possessed. Meanwhile, Fulata had prepared us some strong broth, for we were too weary to eat. This we swallowed, and then threw ourselves down on the piles of magnificent karoses, or fur rugs, which were scattered about the dead king's great hut. By a very strange instance of the irony of fate, it was on Twala's own couch, and wrapped in Twala's own particular kaross that Sir Henry, the man who had slain him, slept that night. I say slept, but after that day's work, sleep was indeed difficult. To begin with, in very truth, the air was full of farewells to the dying, and mournings for the dead. From every direction came the sound of the wailing of women whose husbands, sons, and brothers had perished in the fight. No wonder that they wailed, for over twenty thousand men, or nearly a third of the Kukuwana army, had been destroyed in that awful struggle. It was heartrending to lie and listen to their cries for those who would never return, and it made one realize the full horror of the work done that day to further man's ambition. Towards midnight, however, the ceaseless crying of the women grew less frequent till at length the silence was only broken at intervals of a few minutes by a long, piercing howl that came from a hut in our immediate rear, and which I afterwards discovered proceeded from Gagool wailing for the dead King Twala. After that I got a little fitful sleep, only to wake from time to time with a start, thinking that I was once more an actor in the terrible events of the last twenty-four hours. Now I seemed to see that warrior whom my hand had sent to his last account, "'charging at me on the mountaintop. "'Now I was once more in that glorious ring of greys, "'which made its immortal stand against all Twala's regiments, "'upon the little mound. "'And now and again I saw Twala's plumed and gory head "'roll past my feet with gnashing teeth and glaring eye. "'At last, somehow or other, the night passed away. "'But when dawn broke, "'I found that my companions had slept no better than myself. "'Good indeed!' "'was in a high fever, "'and very soon afterwards began to grow light-headed, "'and also, to my alarm, to spit blood, "'the result, no doubt, of some internal injury "'inflicted by the desperate efforts made by the Kukuwana warrior "'on the previous day to get his big spear through the chain-armor. "'Sir Henry, however, seemed pretty fresh, "'notwithstanding his wound on the face, "'which made eating difficult and laughter an impossibility, "'though he was so sore and stiff.' "'that he could scarcely stir. "'About eight o'clock we had a visit from Infidus, "'who seemed but little the worse, "'tough old warrior that he was, "'for his exertions on the previous day, "'though he informed us he had been up all night. "'He was delighted to see us, "'though much grieved at Good's condition, "'and shook hands cordially. "'But I noticed that he addressed Sir Henry "'with a kind of reverence, "'as though he were something more than man. "'And indeed, as we afterwards found out, THE GREAT ENGLISHMAN WAS LOOKED ON THROUGHOUT KUKUANA LAND AS A SUPERNATURAL BEING. NO MAN, THE soldiers SAID, COULD HAVE FOUGHT AS HE FOUGHT, OR COULD, AT THE END OF THE DAY OF SUCH TOIL AND BLOODSHED, HAVE slain TWALA, WHO, IN ADDITION TO BEING THE KING, WAS SUPPOSED TO BE THE STRONGEST WARRIOR IN KUKUANA LAND, IN SINGLE COMBAT, SHEARING THROUGH HIS BULL NECK in A STROKE. INDEED, THAT STROKE BECAME PROVERBIAL IN KUKUANA LAND, and any extraordinary blow or feat of strength was then forth known as Kubu's Blow. Hi, everyone. The holiday season is upon us, and I'll be glued to the telly for BritBox on many a night. I've already shared with you the fact that I keep up with Father Brown and Poirot at BritBox. I also check out their new stuff, like the new series Archie, which tells the story of Archie Leach, otherwise known to millions of filmgoers as Cary Grant. Get 50% off your first month when you sign up for a monthly plan, but only if you go to BritBox.com and use my promo code 1001STORIES at checkout. Don't wait. Get 50% off your first month. Just use promo code 1001STORIES at BritBox.com. Try it. You'll like it. Infoduce told us also that all Twala's regiments had submitted to Ignosi and that like submissions were beginning to arrive from chiefs in the country. Twala's death at the hands of Sir Henry had put an end to all further chance of disturbance, for Scraga had been his only son, and there was no rival claimant left alive. I remarked that Ignosi had swum to the throne through blood. The old chief shrugged his shoulders. Yes, he answered. But the Kukuwana people could only be kept cool by letting the blood flow sometimes. Many were killed indeed, but the women were left and others who would soon grow up to take the places of the fallen. After this the land would be quiet for a while. Afterwards in the course of the morning we had a short visit from Ignosi on whose brows the royal diadem was now bound. As I contemplated him advancing with kingly dignity an obsequious guard following his steps. I could not help recalling to my mind the tall Zulu who had presented himself to us at Durban some few months back, asking to be taken into our service, and reflecting on the strange revolutions of the Wheel of Fortune. Hail, O king, I said, rising. Yes, Macumazan, king at last, by the grace of your three right hands, was the ready answer. All was, he said, going on well, and he hoped to arrange a great feast in two weeks' time in order to show himself to the people. I asked him what he had settled to do with Gagool. "'She is the evil genius of the land,' he answered, "'and I shall kill her, and all the witch-doctors with her. She has lived so long that none can remember when she was not old. And always she it is who has trained the witch-hunters and made the land evil,' "'in the sight of the heavens above. "'Yet she knows much,' I replied. "'It is easier to destroy knowledge, Ignosi, "'than to gather it.' "'It is so,' he said thoughtfully. "'She, and she only, "'knows the secret of the three witches yonder, "'whither the great road runs, "'where the kings are buried, "'and the silent ones sit. "'Yes, and the diamonds are. "'Forget not thy promise, Ignosi.' Thou must lead us to the mines, even if thou hast to spare Gagul alive to show the way. I will not forget Makumazan, and will think on what thou sayest. After Ignosi's visit, I went to see Good, and found him quite delirious. The fever from his wound seemed to have taken a firm hold of his system, and to be complicated by an internal injury. For four or five days his condition was most critical, Indeed, I firmly believe that had it not been for Fulata's indefatigable nursing, he would have died. Women are women, all the world over, whatever their color. Yet somehow it seemed curious to watch this beauty bending night and day over the fevered man's couch and performing all the merciful errands of the sick room, as swiftly, gently, and with as fine an instinct as a trained hospital nurse. For the first night or two I tried to help her, and so did Sir Henry, so soon as his stiffness allowed him to move. But she bore our interference with impatience, and finally insisted upon our leaving him to her, saying that our movements made him restless, which I think was true. Day and night she watched and tended him, giving him his only medicine, a native cooling drink made of milk, in which was infused the juice of a bulb of a species of tulip, and keeping the flies from settling on him. I can see the whole picture now as it appeared night after night by the light of our primitive lamp. Good tossing to and fro, his features emaciated, his eyes shining large and luminous, and jabbering nonsense by the yard, and seated on the ground by his side, her back resting against the wall of the hut, the soft-eyed, shapely Cucuana beauty, her whole face weary as it was, animated by a look of infinite compassion. Or was it "'something more than compassion. "'For two days we thought that he must die, "'and crept about with heavy hearts. "'Only Fulata would not believe it. "'He will live,' she said. "'For three hundred yards or more "'around Twala's chief hut, "'where the sufferer lay, "'there was silence. "'For by the king's order "'all who lived in the habitations behind it had, "'except Sir Henry and myself, "'been removed, "'lest any noise,' "'should come to the sick man's ears. "'One night it was the fifth night of his illness, "'as was my habit. "'I went across to see how he was getting on "'before turning in for a few hours. "'I entered the hut carefully. "'The lamp placed upon the floor "'showed the figure of good, "'tossing no more, "'but lying quite still. "'So it had come at last, "'and in the bitterness of my heart "'I gave something like a sob.' "'Hush!' came from the patch of dark shadow behind Good's head. "'Then, creeping closer, I saw that he was not dead, "'but sleeping soundly, with Fulata's taper fingers "'clasped tightly in his poor white hand. "'The crisis had passed, and he would live. "'He slept like that for eighteen hours, "'and I scarcely like to say it, "'for fear I should not be believed, "'but during the entire period did that devoted girl sit by him, fearing that if she moved and drew away her hand, it would wake him. What she must have suffered from cramp, stiffness, and weariness, to say nothing of want of food, nobody will ever know. But it is a fact that, when at last he woke, she had to be carried away. Her limbs were so stiff that she could not move them. After the turn had once been taken, Good's recovery was rapid and complete, It was not till he was nearly well that Sir Henry told him all that he owed to Fulata, and when he came to the story of how she sat by his side for eighteen hours, fearing lest by moving she should wake him, the honest sailor's eyes filled with tears. He turned and went straight to the hut where Fulata was preparing the midday meal. We were back in our old quarters now, taking me with him to interpret in case he could not make his meaning clear to her. "'though I am bound to say she understood him marvelously as a rule, "'considering how extremely limited was his foreign vocabulary. "'Tell her,' said Good, "'that I owe her my life, "'and that I will never forget her kindness.' "'I interpreted, and under her dark skin "'she actually seemed to blush. "'Turning to him with one of those swift and graceful motions "'that in her always reminded me of the flight of a wild bird, "'she answered softly, glancing at him with her large brown eyes.' "'Nay, my lord, my lord forgets. "'Did he not save my life? "'And am I not my lord's handmaiden?' "'It will be observed that the young lady "'appeared to have entirely forgotten "'the share which Sir Henry and myself "'had had in her preservation from Twala's clutches. "'But that is the way of women. "'I remember my dear wife was just the same. "'I retired from that little interview sad at heart. "'I did not like Miss Pulata's soft glances.' for I knew the fatal amorous propensities of sailors in general, and good in particular. There are two things in the world, as I have found it, which cannot be prevented. You cannot keep a Zulu from fighting, or a sailor from falling in love upon the slightest provocation. "'It was a few days after this last occurrence "'that Ignosi held his great Indaba, or council, "'and was formally recognized as king "'by the Indunas of the Kukuwana land. "'The spectacle was a most imposing one, "'including, as it did, a great review of troops. "'On this day, the remaining fragment of the greys "'were formally paraded, and in the face of the army "'thanked for their splendid conduct in the great battle. "'To each man the king made a large present of cattle, promoting them one and all to the rank of officers in the new corps of greys, which was in process of formation. An order was also promulgated throughout the length and breadth of Kukuana land, that, whilst we honored the country with our presence, we three were to be greeted with the royal salute, to be treated with the same ceremony and respect that was by custom accorded to the king, and the power of life and death was publicly conferred upon us. Ignosi, too, in the presence of his people, reaffirmed the promises that he had made, to the effect that no man's blood should be shed without trial, and that witch-hunting should cease in the land. When the ceremony was over, we waited upon Ignosi, and informed him that we were now anxious to investigate the mystery of the mines to which Solomon's road ran, asking him if he had discovered anything about them. My friends, he answered, this have I discovered. It is there that the great figures sit, who here are called the silent ones, and to whom Twala would have offered the girl Fulata as a sacrifice. It is there, too, in a great cave deep in the mountain, that the kings of the land are buried. There shall ye find Twala's body, sitting with those who went before him. There, too, is a great pit, which at some time long dead men dug out, "'Mayhap for the stones ye speak of, "'such as I have heard men in Natal speak of at Kimberley. "'There, too, in the place of death, "'is a secret chamber, "'known to none but the king and Gagool. "'But Twala, who knew it, is dead, "'and I know it not, "'nor know I what is in it. "'But there is a legend in the land "'that once, many generations gone, "'a white man crossed the mountains.' and was led by a woman to the secret chamber and shown the wealth. But before he could take it, she betrayed him, and he was driven by the king of the day back to the mountains. Since then, no man has entered the chamber. The story is surely true, Ignosi, for on the mountains we found the white man, I said. Yes, we found him, and now I have promised ye that if ye can find that chamber, and the stones are there, The stone upon thy forehead proves that they are there, I put in, pointing to the great diamond I had taken from Twala's dead brows. Mayhap, if they are there, he said, ye shall have as many as ye can take hence, if indeed ye would leave me, my brothers. First we must find the chamber, said I. There is but one who can show it to thee, Gagool, and if she will not? "'Then she shall die,' said Ignosi sternly. "'I have saved her alive but for this. "'Stay. "'She shall choose.' "'And calling to a messenger, he ordered Gagool to be brought to him. "'In a few minutes she came, hurried along by two guards, "'whom she was cursing as she walked. "'Leave her,' said the king to the guards. "'As soon as their support was withdrawn, the withered old bundle,' for she looked more like a bundle than anything else, sank into a heap onto the floor, out of which her two bright, wicked eyes gleamed like a snake's. What will ye with me, Ignosi? She piped. Ye dare not touch me. If ye touch me, I will blast ye as ye sit. Beware of my magic. Thy magic could not save Twala, old she wolf and it cannot hurt me was the answer. Listen, I will this of thee, that thou reveal where there is a chamber where are the shining stones. Ha-ha! she piped. None know but I, and I will never tell thee. The white devils shall go hence empty-handed. Oh, thou wilt tell me, I will make thee tell me. How, O king, thou art great, But can thy power wring the truth from a woman? It is difficult, yet will I do it. How, O king? Nay, thus, if thou tellest not, thou shalt slowly die. Die, she shrieked in terror and fury. Ye dare not touch me. Man, ye know not who I am. How old think ye am I? I knew your father's. AND YOUR FATHERS, FATHERS, FATHERS. WHEN THE COUNTRY WAS YOUNG, I WAS HERE. WHEN THE COUNTRY GROWS OLD, I SHALL BE HERE. I CANNOT DIE UNLESS I BE KILLED BY CHANCE, FOR NONE DARE SLAY ME. YET I WILL SLAY THEE. SEE, Gagul, MOTHER OF EVIL, THOU ART SO OLD, THOU CANST NO LONGER LOVE THY LIFE. WHAT CAN LIFE BE TO SUCH A HAG AS THEE, WHO HAST NO SHAPE, NO FORM, nor hair, nor teeth, hast not, save wickedness and evil eyes, it will be mercy to slay thee, Gago. Thou fool! shrieked the old fiend. Thou accursed fool! Thinkest thou that life is sweet only to the young? It is not so, and not thou knowest of the heart of man to think it. To the young indeed death is sometimes welcome. For the young can feel. They love and suffer, and it rings them to see their beloved pass to the land of shadows. But the old feel not. They love not. They laugh to see another go out into the dark. They laugh to see the evil that is done under the sun. All they love is life, the warm, warm sun, and the sweet, sweet air. They are afraid of the cold. "'afraid of the cold and the dark.' "'And the old bag writhed in ghastly merriment on the ground. Cease thine evil and answer me,' said Ignosi angrily. "'Wilt thou show the place where the stones are, or wilt thou not? "'If thou wilt not, thou diest even now.' "'And he seized a spear and held it over her. "'I will not show it. "'Thou darest not kill me, darest not. "'He who slays me?' will be accursed forever. Slowly Ignosi brought down the spear till it pricked the prostrate heap of rags. With a wild yell she sprang to her feet and then again fell and rolled upon the floor. Nay, I will show it. Only let me live. Let me sit in the sun and have a bit of meat and I will show thee. It is well. I thought I should find a way to reason with thee. Tomorrow shalt thou go with Infidus and my white brothers to the place, and beware how thou failest, for if thou showest it not, thou shalt then slowly die. I have spoken. I will not fail, Ignosi. I always keep my word. Once a woman showed the place to a white man before, and, behold, evil befell him. And here her wicked eyes glinted, Her name was Gagool, too. Perchance I was that woman. Thou liest, I said. That was ten generations gone. Mayhap, mayhap, when one lives long, one forgets. Perhaps it was my mother's mother who told me. Surely her name was Gagool, also. But, Mark, ye will find in the place where the bright playthings are, a bag of hide full of stones. The man filled that bag, but he never took it away. Evil befell him, I say, evil befell him. Perhaps it was my mother's mother who told me. It will be a merry journey. We can see the bodies of those who died in the battle as we go. Their eyes will be gone by now, and their ribs will be hollow.